You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408, 312-255-8408. You can also get us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackowitz, the rector of the Cathedral of Chicago, and co-host Mark Teresi, executive director. How are you, Mark? Very good, very good. No snow, that's great. It amazes me that if you take away the very bitter cold Christmas weekend, December 23rd, 24 and 25. It has been a very mild winter. I've had really no snow. They're talking weather above 32 degrees every day. And this is early mid-January, no blizzard, no sub-zero. And you you take away that weekend, it's been an incredibly mild winter so far. And and for a population, last night my wife and I went out to dinner with a friend of ours who taught at St. Paul the Cross, and she's got a walker. Well, people don't think, no snow, she can get around. If there's snow, they're homebound. Yeah, you know? big difference. And you look at years past, in early mid-January, we've had pounded by 15, 18-inch snows, uh, zero weather. Now, mm-hmm. we still have around three weeks left in January, mm-hmm. the entire month of February. And it has snowed in April. So. It has snowed in April, but we got through December, almost half of January, so thank God it's been mild. I mean, we will get our snow, mm-hmm. we will get our cold, but once you hit March 1st, it's still winter, but it feels like, well, spring is on the horizon. Something to look forward to. So we're talking that. a little bit less than seven weeks. Again, 312 Two five five eight four zero eight. That was the weather report. <laughs> and now sports. Well, <laughs> Chicago Bulls lost. Blackhawks are playing lousy hockey. Thank God the Bears season is over. Oh, oh come on, Brian. Uh, and okay, okay, they won a couple of games. And <laughs> they lost last night. <laughs> and <laughs> oh no, they're, they're going for the number one pick. And, and in football. Thank God the uh, Bears an- season is over. And the annual message: the Cubs and the Bears are rebuilding. They're rebuilding. Now, also, our prayers still continue for DeMar Hamlin. What an incredible, horrific, well, okay, he had had the cardiac arrest, but he literally brought a whole nation together to pray. Isn't it funny? Talk about you can't pray on the football field. You can't kneel down. Players were doing it. Um, Commentators were praying on the air, Mm -hmm. and nobody objected. No. Because at a time like that, what do you do? You pray, you go to God. So, again, 312-255-8408. The topic for today's program is ecumenism, the movement of for Christian unity, with a focus on the upcoming annual week of prayer for Christian unity, January 18th to the 25th. Joining us are Dan Olson, the director of the Office for Ecumenical, Ecumenical and Interreligious Affairs, Church Diocese of Chicago, and Robert Cathy. Emeritus Professor of Theology, McCormick Theological Seminary, Susan Padelic, Assistant Director of the Office of Ecumenical and Interreligious Affairs for the Archdiocese, and John Nilsson, Professor Emeritus of Theology at Loyola University. So to Dan, Robert, Susan, and John, good morning to all of you. Welcome. That was quite an good introduction. Morning. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, Father Greg. Good morning to <laughs> everyone. A real quick question. John, you were what years at Loyola University? Uh, from 1975 to 2014. Mm-hmm. I know you're, you, you're like a, a, a landmark there, 
uh, tremendous. We were, yes, we were yes, I'm one, of, I'm one of the ancient elders <laughs> whose, wisdom, <laughs> whose, wisdom, whose wisdom was consistently ignored going forward. For all, for all, for all which, and may, now, which may explain why loyalists flourish more than... Since you, since you become retired, now to all of you and to all our listeners, to Dan Olson, I have to publicly say, Dan, my deepest, deepest sympathy, which I only partly mean... For the Green Bay Packers losing to Detroit last <laughs> Monday night or Sunday night in football and being bounced out of the playoffs. Now, I, I'm in a football pool with my brother, and I put big points on the Packers to beat Detroit. But You'd think. I would, I, the Packers, uh, they were playing good football. But, Dan, you're always talking about the Packers. But um, I was, they made a great comeback but fell short that last quarter. So good morning, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. That was the shallowest, deepest sympathy I've ever received. Um, the shallowest. The shallowest. Um, congratulations on the Bears for um, oh. moving in the direction that they are and having the first pick. So you're on the clock. You're, right? you're, you're dead in our trash talking on the air for a, a religious radio program and that is great so maybe first of all for good to see you uh susan and uh now robert kathy professor meredith are you from chicago no i'm from charlotte north carolina the buckle on the bible belt yeah a- absolutely absolutely uh, susan are you from chicago oh yes i'm uh lived here all my life North side, south side, suburbs? Grew up on the northwest side, and, and now I'm on the near north side. So what Catholic question, what parish? Did you belong right to? Right now, St. Alphonsus. What oh, about when you were I a little girl? With, I, I grew up with uh, St. Wenceslaus oh, when it was sure. a Polish community. Mm-hmm. It, it has shifted um, now, but yeah. Exactly. So it uh, maybe Dan... For a moment, give us the history of the Catholic, or give us the history of the Christian Unity Week, which this year is January 18th to 25th. How long has it been going on, and uh, why did it begin? Well, in some form, for a good century, it's been going on where early on it was some Christians that gathered together. Um, Father Paul Watson was instrumental in getting that going um, the Vatican became involved in the, in the 60s with the World Council of Churches after Vatican II. And it's really expanded since that time um, where many Christians throughout the world, Protestant, Episcopal, Catholic, Orthodox, have joined in the movement, recognizing this octave traditionally between the Feast of the Chair of St. Peter and the conversion of St. Paul, the 18th and 25th of January, seen as a, a time where we can gather together pray for what Christ prayed for in his final prayer before his um, uh, crucifixion of unity for a Christian. So it's something we've been doing for many centuries. There um, is a collaborative relationship now where materials are produced every year with a different theme. This year's theme has been produced by the um, churches in Minnesota and the U.S., in fact. Uh, although it goes throughout the different places of our world. So real, real quick, um, it's been going on for some time. Now, I have a question related to a dear friend of mine who passed. I worked with him at Mundelein for 15 years, and I always picked up the ecumenism, the interreligious dialogue, peripherally from being with him. But Father Tom Bama um, ha- had an impact uh, on this area could you anybody that knew him could you uh give us a little background on father tom and his commitment and also sister joan mcguire and and what what legacy have they left in terms of the ecumenical and interreligious dialogue great question bob maybe you could start us sure um i first met father tom uh in uh 2000 on um, an interview on WBEZ with Jerome McDonald and uh, Brother Wayne Teasdale. And the occasion was when uh, the late Joseph Ratzinger was uh, head of the uh, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. A document was issued by the Vatican called Dominus Jesus, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. 
and it was on the question of religious pluralism and ecumenical pluralism and the unity of the church. And this document, it didn't have full papal authority, but it had the Pope's nod to be issued publicly. Uh, and it became quite controversial. And so Jerome MacDonald wanted to bring part of that debate to the air. And so that's where I met Father Tom and Wayne Teasdale. And when I, when I first met them, uh, Father Tom was clearly a person, a prince of the church, to use an old 19th century phrase. Uh, he had a deep church-related education, a theologian. Uh, he had served in Rome in uh, interreligious and ecumenical affairs before coming to Chicago. He was originally from Missouri, and he was a great friend maker. Uh, and one of his friends was Wayne Teasdale, who was a Catholic uh, who had spent, he was a Catholic theologian as well. He had spent many years in India meditating with uh, gurus and swamis and had come back to the States to lead interreligious efforts. He was a personal friend of the Dalai Lama. Uh, and so we were together speaking about the implications of this document on air. And one of the things I really admired about Father Time, he had uh, deeply orthodox Catholic convictions. Uh, he was not uh, a wild relativist or uh, extreme revisionist in theology. Uh, whenever you spoke with him, I remember the last time I heard him give a public address. It was at McCormick Seminary. And he was talking about the seven streams that course through Catholic theology and thought today. And in Hyde Park, here near the University of Chicago, he said, we only talk about two of them. <laughs> he told us about <laughs> the other five. And the one he resonated with was uh, grew out of the Rousseau tradition. And it was uh, returning to the early Christian writers, the group that when I was first a student, we called the Church Fathers. Uh, to find uh, resources for unity and the renewal of Christian spirituality in their writings and their lives and their witness. So uh, Father Tom was uh, just indefatigable in the cause of ecumenism and in a religious relations. And one of the things that I remember about him that was said at one of the memorial services I attended was invitations would come to the archdiocese for a representative to be present at all kinds of religious gatherings and ecumenical gatherings. And Father Tom would always go, no matter how he heavy his schedule was. He would show up on the weekends and meet with people. So he was well-known all over the city and the suburbs now, for his leadership all, and was known nationally and internationally. Bob, that is a great, great summary it of Father wonderful. Tom Bama. Now, I can tell this story. I go back with Tom. We met in early September 19. 67. Wow. We were both freshmen at Notre Dame College Prep in Niles. I came from Mary Seat of Wisdom in Park mm -hmm. Ridge, and I forgot what parish Tom came from from grammar school in Skokie, I think St. Peter's. So we met the first day of high school at Notre Dame in 1967. We both graduated class of 71 from Notre Dame. I went on to the college seminary, Niles College Seminary of Loyola. Um, Tom went on to uh, Butler, Butler University, right? and then upon graduation from the uh, college seminary, went on to Mundelein to be ordained in 79. Upon graduation from Butler, uh, Tom took an extra year of study and then entered the theologate. So I was ordained in 79, Tom ordained in 1980. But Tom and I met as 14-year-old boys yeah. at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. On that note, Mark, take us to break. Yes, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned.
Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. People always say, how can you spend your day with three-year-olds? Seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow, this is a very rewarding job. Even though at the end of the day, we're not the highest paid people on earth. And when I have a parent contact me and say, my child loves school, that to me, I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning. Because really you are changing lives, you are molding lives. Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach, apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. WNDZ 750 AM Catholic Chicago 312-255-8408 you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago before our next question I was sharing a brief Tom Bama story with Father Greg he said why don't you share it with our listeners uh, and Tom was you mentioned he was uh, kind of a prince of the church he, you know very refined very very knowledgeable. I always pictured him, you know, if he went to a restaurant, it would be a four-star, five-star somewhere downtown. We had many occasions to drive to Springfield because we were looking for funds for our library expansion. So we were passing Bloomington, and his goddaughter was going to Bloomington. He said, on the way back, can we stop at the gift shop. I said, oh, sure. I said, maybe we'll grab something to eat. I, I don't know what the restaurants are in Bloomington. And he said, oh, my favorite, Steak and Shake. <laughs> and, and I <laughs> I never pictured Tom Bama at a Steak and Shake. And he's and, bragging about the fries. Yeah, anyway, here we go. Susan, so, Susan, you made a commitment to ecumenism by your very job and what you're doing. What attracted you to this area, but also what, a little bit of your history that brought you to uh, this spot in your life? Well, thanks, Mark. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, I have, you know, sometimes you can see things coming and you can choose things and sometimes that's just the way your life goes. Mm -hmm. And when I was a student uh, working on my MDiv at uh, Catholic Theological Union down in Hyde Park, I needed a job. And I found a job at McCormick Theological Seminary, which is the Presbyterian mm -hmm. Seminary. And that's where I first met Bob, who was a professor at the time. And I was there for about nine years which got me through my MDiv and then five years beyond that. And so I have a very lived experience mm 
of uh, encountering and uh, not only working, but praying with this uh, Presbyterian community, which we did quite often. And I so deeply resonated um, with the community, with people like with Bob and, and others that I met and worked with and the students. So it was really something that I felt drawn into more and more all the time. Mm -hmm. And with that really lived experience, which is different than all the, the theological reading that we do, which we do, um, it really made a very deep impression upon me. And so that and was a great part of it. And then on the interreligious end, my experience with the Parliament of the World's Religions mm -hmm. um, that I attended in 1993 here just set me off on a whole other path. And so it really has developed into uh, quite a focus in my life. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. There's a great line from a John Lennon song, life is what happened while I was making other plans. It's there you a, go. It's a great, mm -hmm. But now, uh, yeah. Susan, was your MDiv project when you were going through schooling in the area of ecumenism or, had, or totally unrelated? No, it was uh, totally unrelated. Um, we, um, I had a focus in liturgy, so mm -hmm. my Master of Divinity has a, a con it's called a concentration in, liter in word and worship. And so it was um, along those lines. And, and it all works so beautifully because, you know, as Christians, we just, um, there's such a base that we have together um, that it's so empowering. Uh, to be able to know how to work and pray together uh, has been really wonderful. And John, yeah. along the same line, the same question for you. I've met you years ago, but with your background, how did you get interested, invested in this particular area? Because you've been a great professor for years, Professor Meredith, but you still teach, you still give lectures. So how did you get involved in this particular area to this degree with your life work? I got a letter right out of the blue from uh, Archbishop John Whalen of Hartford asking me if I would join as a consultant to the official dialogue between the Episcopal Church and the Roman Catholic Church in this country. And um, I knew very little about ecumenism, but it sounded like it might be fun. And um, so I uh, started doing some reading and research. And on the basis of that reading and research, I thought, well, this problem pretty much will be wrapped up and solved within a couple of years. Um, and I'm willing to commit a couple of years to it. Um, and after all, I mean, after all, our divisions are, are trivial, you know, compared to the, the richness of the, the tradition and the unity that we share. Um, I've, I've learned since then that <laughs> how naive I was. Uh, and I've had uh, some... Uh, incredible experiences on that dialogue and also spending a semester uh, living and teaching and praying with uh, Episcopal uh, colleagues and uh, seminarians at General Seminary in New York, where I really understood that the heart of ecumenism uh, is really is relationships. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. As I think, as I think, as I think Bob has suggested in his, his uh, account, um, because what I, with the relationships, you get beyond the stereotypes. You begin, and you, you have then a personal experience of how united we really are in the basics, and you begin to discriminate. You know, here here is the foundation that that we can re really build on. So um, again, <laughs> life happens. You know, the letter comes out of the blue. I later found out how the letter and the invitation came to me, but it was really a grace in my life that it did. That's wonderful. Now, now John, this is an unrelated question before we, before we go back to Dan. So if you taught theology at Loyola, chances are you taught Greg as a student there. Do you re remember? I'm not taking responsibility for that, Mark. <laughs> Anything memorable? Um, no, 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 sorry. Okay. No. You're a smart man. No. Anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of a lot of things, but not that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Great. Thanks for that support, John. That's, yeah. uh... Dan, Dan. I would say that I was one of John's theology students at Loyola. 
Great. I'm a Loyola graduate. And, and, so, John, and, I and John's so proud well. of you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God he's proud of one of the people on our program today. Um, Dan, what about you? The same question in terms of your involvement. I mean, your life is wound up in ecumenism now, really, full time. How did that How happen? How did that happen? Yeah. I'll just briefly mention, John was an instructor of mine, uh, my dissertation director, but that can go on. Set. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty impressive. Wow. Um, so I like two, anyway, out, two so, out of three two good <laughs> students on this program. <laughs> to, to answer the, the question Thank directly, you for that, Mark. I could start probably in four or five different places as I look back, whether it was academic, whether it was relational, whether it was a position I had in a parish coming out of college. But I think what really drew me and what really sustains me in some ways is relationships with interchurch or mixed marriage families. Um, as I mentioned, I was working in a parish outside of Milwaukee out of college where I was in the seminary for some time. Um, and just talking to and ministering to couples where one is Catholic, the other often was a, a Protestant, a Lutheran, Baptist, um, perhaps Episcopalian in, in our neighborhood. Uh, Presbyterians, many, um, and some of the challenges they were facing, could they receive Eucharist together? When I did baptismal prep, like, well, what can I do at the service? Um, how am I going to raise my child? Um, I did a little bit with uh, some of the marriage prep inventory things in RCIA, and I would encounter couples who came from two different Christian traditions, and to see the, the love they had for Jesus that was shared in their home, but the challenges pastorally they're facing because of our divisions, it really, it bothered me. It, it frankly angered me in some ways that there weren't pastoral resources for them. And so that drove me to, to learn more about who are we as Christians? What brings us together? Um, what are the effects of our divisions? Painful. And how do these come to bear on real families in real lives? So I would say that's primarily what drew me to this work. That's terrific. That's beautiful. And and before we go to Robert with the same question, what, this program is triggering all kinds of Tom Bema memories for me, which are very blessed memories. But one that really exemplifies his embracing of ecumenism. When we built the new library at Mudline, we were trying to figure out at the entrance, we wanted to honor Mary as St. Mary of the Lake, but what an image. And we went on meetings and meetings, and finally he took the whole committee. He said, get in the cars. We went over to the Greek Orthodox Church near Mundelein, and we just absorbed all the icons that were in, in that space. Then we came back to the seminary. He said, now what do we think? And we all decided, let's have someone draw an icon, but let's make it unique. And so we created Our Lady of Tenderness, um, which is the icon that welcomes you into the new part of the library at Mudline. And that was Tom practically saying, let's think out of the box. Let's just, let's embrace something new in our religious tradition. That and is I a thought, great Tom Bame story. Yeah, he was just wonderful. How about this? Before we have uh, Bob share his story of his life work and how he moved in this area, Mark, take us to break. Okay, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. You can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. When we come back, Robert Catholic will share his idea of how ecumenism has really just been intertwined into his life and his education, educational experiences and teaching. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned.
we are hiring. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continuing to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. We're back, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, Father Greg Sackowitz, Mark Therese here, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Uh, before the break, Robert, we're, uh, Robert Cathy Emeritus, Professor of Theology, McCormick Theological Seminary, we were talking about journeys toward this ecumenism in your life. Could you share y y your journey with us? Sure, I'd be glad to. Thank you for that question. Uh, when I was a college student studying philosophy at Davidson College in the 1970s, uh, every other summer our family went to a big family gathering of Cathy's from uh, all over the southeast and the nation. And in the summer of 1976, I met one of my Catholic relatives who was a, a Catholic priest, uh, Father James Cathy, he had been raised a Methodist and had gone to William and Mary University in Virginia, had done a doctorate in uh, history, and had written his dissertation on one of the uh, Spanish Thomists, and had lived in Spain for a long time. Uh, he was uh, he knew medieval Latin, uh, and uh, he converted to Catholicism while he was in Spain. Came back, finished the theological preparation for priesthood. And then in North and South Carolina, he had a bishop who assigned him to travel around the Carolinas and to celebrate the Mass in Latin for parishes. Mm. This, this wow. was post-Vatican II that still wanted the Mass in Latin. And in doing this travel traveling ministry, he began to piece together the history of how did Catholics come to the Carolinas, a part of the nation at that time that people didn't associate with Catholicism. Now one of the largest parishes in North America is in a suburb of my hometown, uh, and he wrote the first history of Catholics in North and South Carolina. And when this was published, this was such a unique history, the state of North Carolina hired him as an archival historian in Raleigh. Wow. And so his ministry was both in the parish and in uh, the religious history of that region of the country. And uh, Father James Cathy partnered with uh, someone here in Illinois, a Mr. Nolan from Springfield, and they went back to Scotland in the late 1970s, and they discovered um, our Cathy family history goes back to a priest 
in the 11th century named Father McPhee. Wow. And his parish was on two little islands off the western coast of Scotland, and he oh, lived amazing. so far away from his bishop. He was so isolated. He took a wife and had lots of children. <laughs> so if you ever meet someone with the name McPhee, which is spelled various ways, or McDuffie or Kathy, were all dis- dis- uh, descended from that Scottish uh, Catholic priest. No, and this so is I getting, thought about great. that for a long time, that most of my Scottish ancestors for centuries, up until the 1700s, were devout Catholics. Oh, wow. And if you travel in Scotland today, if you if you visit the, the large cathedral church in Glasgow, uh, it's a Presbyterian congregation, but it looks just like a Scottish cathedral church. Hmm. Uh, and so that family history and the influence of Father James Kathy in North Carolina really influenced me to to look uh, more deeply. And because I was studying philosophy at the time, we were reading lots of Anselm and Aquinas and Augustine. And so the whole Catholic heritage of Christian thought came through. And then uh, two other influences I'll just briefly mention. The president of the Presbyterian Seminary I attended uh, at Princeton Theological Seminary, uh, Reverend Dr. James McCord was the president. And the summer before seminary, he advised all the incoming seminarians to read a book by a Catholic theologian entitled On Being a Christian. That was the English translation title by Hans Kuhn, who was teaching in Tübingen at the time. He told all of us to read that before we started our theological education. And so Princeton Seminary had a strong ecumenical focus when I was there and then I started my doctoral studies at Union Seminary in New York, and Jeffrey Wainwright was my advisor. He oh, was a sure. British Methodist ecumenist who had studied in Rome, great ecumenical spirit, who focused uh, theology on, on the study of liturgy. Uh, and so those were the those were influences that gave me a deep appreciation for the Catholic heritage and for the Catholic Church uh, uh, alive in the world today. That's yeah. a, that's marvelous. What fascinating. A, inc- the very fact you know that history of your family, Bob, is just incredible. You know, Mark uh, Therese here looked up his family tree. Yeah. And found out he was the sap. Ha. <laughs> please don't encourage him. Please. Don't I, think I think that's actually pretty. That's actually pretty funny. Please, please, please. Uh, just to switch gears for a moment, and that is, Dan, the week of January 18th to 25th, what is happening and where? Well, there's lots going on around the diocese, some of which we're aware of. Um, you can find further information um, on our website, which is www.eia.archicago.org. One more time. Um, www.eia .archchicago.org, and you go to the ecumenical page on the website, and these these will be there. But in Oak Lawn, not too far from me here, there's ecumenical prayer service for Christian unity on Thursday, January 19th at St. Catherine of Alexandria. Uh, the Focolari movement is very active in the um, in ecumenism and interreligious dialogue, along with the initiative, are hosting a service on Saturday, January 21st. Uh, at Augustana Lutheran Church, which is on 5500 South Woodlawn Avenue in Chicago. Uh, Sunday, there's a couple of services as well with St. Nikolai United Church of Christ on North Kedzie in Chicago, as well as the Lutheran Church of the Master out in Carroll Stream. So as you'll notice, not all these are local Catholic uh, sites. Some of them are with our partners, uh, our and other Christian traditions, but that information, and we'll update it as more come in, and we often get more as the, you know, we're a week away, so sometimes things come together late. We'll update that as often as we can, but that's a place where you can go to find further information. Okay, and I find I have found this discussion fascinating. Uh, Susan, for a moment, in the years of your work in this area, two-part question, number one, what has energized you the most, and number two, what has frustrated you the most? Oh, great questions, Father Greg. Um, What's energized me the most is really having, as we spoke about before, relationships and real connections with other Christians who have a deep faith, a deep knowledge, uh, and great compassion for others. And just knowing that um, so many people 
who are not Catholics are Christians who really have the uh, the same base of faith uh, for me. And that kind of deep resonance, that kind of knowingness, it's, it's knowing my neighbor uh, in deeper ways than I ever did before. And so I find that really hopeful. I find it energizing and it's fun. I, I enjoyed it. And, um, and I certainly have enjoyed knowing Bob and working with Bob for uh, many years in ecumenical interreligious encounters as well. And I think what frustrates me is that I feel very deeply that we do have, of course, this connection in our faith in Jesus, uh, the Christ. And we see and understand and know him differently and we allow those divisions to keep us apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as Dan mentioned about, um, you know, the challenges that we face with interchurch marriages, you know, there is so much more that needs to be done to support one another in coming together around that. Um, so that continues to challenge me that uh, we keep ourselves apart as Jesus keeps calling us together. Mm-hmm. And it is from him that he uh, he prays that we may all be one. Terrific. John, what about you? What energizes you involved in ecumenism, and what's frustrating to you? Uh, I think what energizes me is, um, as um, you suggested, Mark, the uh, in the story of Tom and the icon, um, the, the riches... Um, the spiritual riches and the theological riches that are to be found, you know, in other traditions that help me understand what it means to be a Catholic and expands my vision of what Catholicism could be. The frustration, frankly, is the, what should I say? Well, our current state of divisions um, mean that the churches are are living a falsehood. What I mean by that is back, back in the 1950s, um, in a major ecumenical gathering at Lund in Sweden, uh, a principle, uh, it was become known as the Lund principle, and it says something like, should the churches not try to do everything together, everything together, except on those matters that conscience, you know, won't permit. In other words, there ought to be a wide range of common action that would increase our familiarity with one another and reflect the degree of unity that we already have. And something like this was repeated by John Paul II in 1994 in his great encyclical on ecumenism, again, let's do things together. And how little is done about that. And so, you know, we, we continue going forward in this sort of an archipelago Christianity, various islands, separated islands out there, which does not reflect the unity, the imperfect but real communion that already exists. We can say, um, you know, why aren't theologians doing more? Theologians have done more. You know, I think that there's, in a sense, in the academic community of theologians, there's very little interest in ecumenism because the feeling is we've done that. We, 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 the, the issues that were there, it's time for the churches to take some concrete steps forward. And yeah, we see practically none of that. Excellent. And, and John, maybe we're going to take a little break. After our break, you can each address what are some steps mm-hmm. that we could be taking. It reminded me of our neighborhood. You know, our neighborhood has like 57 different languages in it. Our neighbors were from Vietnam. In the morning, grandma and grandpa were out meditating with incense. And and the big deal for me was they uh, ended up coming to our gra- kids' graduation and brought a tray of their a- egg rolls. Wow. And I thought, we crossed the, the, the border. You know, we're neighbors. And, and sharing. We, and we're sharing, exactly. WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned.
At Catholic Charities, we want to remind you that we are here for anyone who is a victim of domestic violence or anyone who has a concern about someone they think may be a victim. Domestic violence affects millions of people each year, both women and men, of every race, religion, culture, and economic status. It includes physical, psychological, and emotional abuse, inflicted in both subtle and overt ways. The impact on children can be devastating. If you or someone you know are victims of domestic violence and you are looking for a place for healing and recovery, call us at 773-935-3434 in Cook County and 224-430-4977 in Lake County. A safer, happier tomorrow can begin today. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger. To our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways. To our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do and we salute you. back, WNDZ, 7.50 AM, Catholic Chicago, Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Teresi, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We have a fascinating show on ecumenism, on, on how it touches our lives. And Robert, maybe you could share with us, you know, what energizes you? And frustrates about, you. Yeah, and frustrates you. Sure. Um, one uh, one thing that energizes me in ecumenical relations is how much we can learn from each other uh, theologically and practically. A uh, number of years ago in the Presbytery of Chicago, which is the uh, church body over all the Presbyterian churches in this metro region, uh, we were faced with uh, a set of issues in interreligious dialogue uh, because of a long Presbyterian mission history in the Middle East. The Presbyterian Church had taken some actions on a national level uh, to signify their concern about uh, human relations in the state of Israel between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and this had precipitated a crisis in Presbyterian Jewish relations here in the United States. 
And so in the Presbyterian of Chicago, in our ecumenical and interreligious inter work group with the leadership of uh, the late Reverend Dirk Ficka, who was a good friend of Father Tom Bema, um, we knew that 2015 was uh, the great 50th anniversary of Nostra Aetate, the Catholic document on uh, Catholic-Jewish relations from Vatican II. And so over a two-year process of vetting drafts of this document with multiple publics, we uh, created a document entitled In Our Time, a statement on the relations between the Presbyterian of Chicago and the Jewish community in metropolitan Chicago. And we took a number of insights from Catholic doctrine and practice in Catholic-Jewish relations in crafting that document, and it was unanimously approved by our wow. Presbytery mm. and is still the guiding document for Presbyterian-Jewish relations. Um, and one of our learnings in the process in reviewing the follow-up to Vatican II, we found a Catholic document from the 1980s that said when and if the Catholic Church does criticize issues of human rights and civic relations uh, in the modern state of Israel should be done on the basis of international law and the ethics of human rights rather than uh, presented as a theological critique of the very existence of the state of Israel. Uh, and we enshrine that in our document and other insights. And so uh, that's what encourages me is that uh, when we compare the work uh, that each of our communions does ecumenically and interreligiously, there's so much to learn. Um, in terms of what what I find frustrating, uh, my advisor in graduate school, uh, Jeffrey Wainwright, uh, he was part of the Faith and Order Commission of the World Council of Churches, and uh, his conviction was that when you try to build ecumenical unity around uh, dialogue about doctrinal issues, both what we share in common and what sets us apart, and about liturgy and spirituality, you can find deep sources of unity. But if you try to build ecumenical unity only on political action, the very nature of politics is that politically we're not going to agree. Mm -hmm. There will be many issues politically and ethically that we'll disagree on. And so that is a site for common action, but it's not always a basis for unity. Uh, and so how we go forward looking for those doctrinal, liturgical, and spiritual resources for unity while respecting our political differences and that we all we all must be engaged politically one way or another. Um, so one learning from that for me, one of my colleagues at McCormick Seminary, uh, Professor Ted Hebert, uh, who's uh, emeritus professor of Hebrew Bible, he studied uh, uh, at uh, Hebrew University in East Jerusalem for a year and lived among Palestinians. And when he and his spouse returned to Harvard, he was talking with Christer Stendahl, uh, a great uh, Swedish uh, New Testament scholar who's very much involved in, in Christian-Jewish relations. And he expressed to him uh, the fact that his time in Jerusalem had made him very pro-Palestinian as a Mennonite. And what Christer Stendahl said to him was, well, wherever we are on the political spectrum of divisive issues like Israeli-Palestinian relations, we have to start where we are and work from that point forward toward greater peace hmm. and greater justice. And so his advisement was uh, that, you know, there will always be political issues that uh, over which we don't agree, but we just have to start wherever we find ourselves deeply convicted on the basis of our experience and learning and work from there toward a point of greater peace and reconciliation. And I, I think that would, you know, if, if we did that in the churches, it would be a great model for politics in the United States today. That is wonderful. And last but not least, uh, Dan, energizes you and what frustrates you in the work that you do? Um, I'll start with the frustration to end on a positive note. Um, <laughs> I guess, to be perfectly honest, I get frustrated with other Catholics who um, act as if ecumenism, our pursuit of Christian unity, is optional. Mm -hmm. Is something that we 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 can do if we'd like. It's it's a it's a little niche uh, uh, field within the the Catholic world. Whereas Vatican II and subsequent popes have continually told us this is essential to our identity as Catholic Christians. This mm -hmm. is not so optional. So what bothers me a lot is sometimes those conversations I have as well. That's not for me. Well, 
that that's not really been given as an option for us as Catholics via our teaching. Um, what what excites me are the, the gifts I receive, frankly, from our our Orthodox, our Protestant, our Episcopal partners. Um, I learn more about the Christian faith writ large. Learn more about my own Catholicism and explaining. Well, why do you do that particular thing? Um, so it, it helps me better articulate my my own faith. Uh, my own Christian life, but I learn things. I, I see icons, and I'm like, wow, those are very impressive. Why don't we do more of that? Or the way others sing and welcome at churches, why don't we do that better? Um, and I, I just want to mention real briefly, I know we've talked appropriately quite a bit about Tom Bama, but I want to highlight Sister Joan McGuire and the work mm -hmm. he did for um, for decades, leading this, the office that I now lead. Um, I I think sometimes because she'd been away for nine or 10 years in retirement years ago, her memory can be a bit lost, but I, I don't want to, every time I pull out a file in the office, it has her fingerprints wow. uh, quite literally all over it. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to highlight her work for, for many decades uh, with this office. She was, Now she was at the office for what, about 30 years, Deanna? Yeah, it's a little over three decades. Yeah. In fact, a great story. Is, I'm, I have found this discussion fascinating. Yeah, Here's a sure. tremendous story that um, I was born and raised in uh, Park Ridge, okay, Chicago, but then the age of three, Park Ridge. And my mother, her brother, my Uncle Ted, was a bachelor. And a story, and he was, he was a great athlete. He taught me all sports. And But a story I remember when I was a boy is Uncle Ted would always share with us, he said, when he was a boy, in Chicago by Milwaukee Division, Holy Trinity Parish, he was not allowed to go to the YMCA because that's where the Protestants and the Lutherans were. Wow. So he, was, he said to me, he said, when I was a boy, I wanted to go to the YMCA and swim and play basketball in the gym, and he could not go because he said that's where the Protestants were and we Catholics were not allowed. Now, I, 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 th I remember listening to that story as a boy and thought, wow. No kidding, because it was a YMCA when I was in Park Ridge, and I'd go swimming there a little bit, and thought that to me was so, like, that's a different world. We've come a long way. We've come a long way, but, uh, and so just maybe in the last, in the last maybe uh, 40 seconds here, Dan, again, tell us how people can get involved next week, January 18th to the 25th for Christian Unity Week. How do they go finding some of these sites? Well, I, I just start by saying all of us can pray on our own, yes. gather with some neighbors, and pray for Christian unity. But to find out more formal gatherings, go to our website, eia.archicago.org, and you can find resources there. The Graymore Ecumenical Institute has a number of things. I don't have the, um, the call letters off my mind, but here, uh, that's a, the Vatican, frankly, has websites dedicated to this work as does the world council of churches so there's google use that friend and you'll find plenty of things going on online and other ones and dan if somebody wanted to give you a call at the office to learn more give us your office number the general number is 312-534-5325 the number once once again 312-534-5325 I want to thank in a very special way Dan Olson, Robert Cathy, Susan Fidelic, and John Nilsson for joining us. You have been four phenomenal guests. Thank yes. you for sharing part of your story. Thank you. Thank you. This was energizing and very fast hour. Thanks also to co-host Mark Teresi, producers, engineers, Michael May, Brian Hockey, Hitman Brock, to our listeners. May God bless all of you. Enjoy this uh, beautiful <laughs> winter weather here in Chicago, and have a great day. Thank you. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.